The reading today is from John chapter 6, verses 35 through 51. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. Everything that the Father gives me will come to me, and anyone who comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. This is indeed the will of my Father, that all who see the Son and believe in him may have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Then the Jews began to complain about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Gail, for reading our scripture this morning. Good morning. What a joy to be in worship on this absolutely beautiful Sunday. I hope you have a chance to get outside and enjoy it. Last Sunday, we kicked off a new sermon series entitled, I Am. This is our series for the season of Lent as we prepare ourselves for Easter. The title of the series does not refer to our identity It's uh, us having the opportunity to learn more about Jesus' identity, who Jesus tells us he is in the Gospel of John. Jesus says these statements, I am uh, the vine, I am the shepherd, I am the light of the world. The light of the world is what Pastor Jeff lifted up for us last Sunday as we kicked off this series. Today we hear Jesus say, I am the bread of life. Wonder what that means. Would you pray with me? God of grace and God of mercy, we pray that you would open up your word to us today. Help us to step into it and walk around in it and learn more about what you were saying to us this morning, telling us that you are the bread of life. Help us to grow in our understanding of you. Help us to grow in our relationship with you. Help us to grow in you as a church and community. This we pray this day. 
that the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts would be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord. For you are our rock, our redeemer, the light of the world, the bread of life. And it is in your name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. There's nothing quite like the smell of bread baking in the oven. You close your eyes for just a moment and imagine it. Warm rolls, hot biscuits, loaves of wheat. If you are gluten-free, I apologize. It's probably not quite the same draw. Uh, I come from bread-eating circles and families, and the smell of bread could draw people together faster than the smell of bacon, though it might have been a close tie. (laughs) There's nothing like the aromatic draw of baking bread to pull people together and make them want to stay for a while. I grew up in southern rural Virginia, and bread was a big part of my family, biscuits in particular. Every night, almost, my mom baked homemade buttermilk biscuits from scratch, and we had them for supper. My dad and my sister would steal bits of bread and play catch with it in the kitchen right before my mom would roll them out and stick them in the oven. At my grandmother's house, biscuits were not only a regular at supper, those buttermilk biscuits were also a regular at breakfast. And for Sunday dinners after church, they were a staple. There was nothing like my grandmother's homemade buttermilk biscuits. Light, airy, delectable, they would melt in your mouth. And when we got out of the car in the driveway, we could smell them baking in the oven. It would quicken our steps to get to the door. When we would uh, tell my grandmother we wanted to invite someone for Sunday dinner, uh, she would tell us how much she was looking forward to them coming and meeting them. And then she would ask the big question. Do you want me to make Zerve biscuits? Mm. This question deserved some serious thought. A Zerve biscuit is family jargon for my grandmother's homemade preserve biscuits. That's one of those homemade buttermilk biscuits that's filled with homemade preserves that my grandmother would make from the fruit out in the yard, the blackberries, the peaches, the damsons. Oh my, can I tell you it was good. So good that my grandfather would say that it would make your toenails come off. And you'd have to sweep them up after the meal. It was incredible. One bite of a Zerve biscuit and you would never want to leave. When my grandmother was asking, do you want a Zerve biscuit? What she really meant was, how long do you want this person to be around? Because once someone came to my grandmother's house for a Sunday dinner, they wanted that invitation to never end. And once they ate one of her serve biscuits, it would seal the deal. 
and that person would propose whether the relationship was all that good or not. We had family data and family lore to prove it from decades back. One bite of those biscuits and it would change your life. You wanted to be part of the family and you never wanted to let it go. It would fill you up, not just your tummy, but it would fill your heart and fill your soul, not just the bread, but the company around the table. It's like you'd finally found something you didn't even know you were looking for. And now you had that relationship and you never wanted to let it go. A Zer biscuit was that good. And I imagine you think I'm exaggerating, but I tell you, as a southern-born biscuit-eating woman, I am not. (laughs) In our scripture that Gail read for us today, Jesus tells us he is bread, good bread like a biscuit. The bread of life, he says. And we are told in this chapter to eat him. What does that tell us about Jesus and what in the world does that mean? In the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus at times keeps his identity a secret, even tells the disciples sometimes not to say who he is. In the Gospel of John, however, Jesus speaks very freely about who he is, and often when he does, he uses metaphors. He describes himself by referring to symbols and things that would have been common in the day. Last week we studied Jesus saying, I am the light of the world. And we'll also read, he says he's a good shepherd. He says he's the vine. And the first such statement he makes in the entire gospel of John is the one that we study today. When Jesus says in chapter six, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Let's put it in context. It's a long story. It's actually all of chapter 6, and we only read a small portion of it today. But I invite you in the week to go ahead and read the whole thing. In the earlier part of chapter 6, Jesus has just performed a miracle involving bread for over 5,000 people. Folks have been following him around. They've seen that he's been healing the sick. They want to be around him some more, find out what he's about. Jesus turns and sees that big crowd, and he turns to one of his disciples and says, where are we to go find enough bread to feed all these people? His name is Philip. Philip says, we don't have enough money to do that. Andrew, another one of the 12 disciples, is a little more resourceful. He's found a boy With one lunch, with five loaves of barley and two fish. And he says, but what is that with so many? Because there are actually more than 5,000 people. 5,000 was only counting the men in the group. It didn't include the women. It didn't include the children. It didn't include the boy with the lunch. Jesus doesn't seem deterred with such a small lunch and such a big crowd. He has everyone sit down. No need to worry. No need to panic. Jesus takes that lunch and blesses it and begins to serve the over 5,000 people. And every one of them eats. And everyone gets their fill. 
And there are even leftovers, more than enough to go around. This metaphor then comes out of his conversation in the following day about it. After Jesus feeds these 5,000 people, they want to make him their king. What a feat. What a miracle. But that's not the kind of king Jesus wants to be, and he slips away. It's the next day that crowd finds him again, and they start to have this conversation. He tells them they're only looking for him because they ate their fill of the bread the day before. He says, don't work for that kind of food but for the food that leads to eternal life. They want to know how to get eternal life. Jesus says that comes from believing in me. And they say, what are you going to do to make us believe? (laughs) Moses gave us manna, that bread from heaven, when our ancestors were wandering in the desert. You're going to do that? Jesus corrects them. It wasn't Moses that gave you the manna. That came from God. The bread of God is really what comes from heaven and gives life to the world. They say, then give us that bread. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And I have come from heaven. Believe in me and you will have eternal life. And they say, You didn't come from heaven. Aren't you Mary's boy, Joseph's boy? We know your parents. You didn't come from heaven. You came from the neighborhood. I wonder if Jesus got a little exasperated at this point. He says the people who eat regular bread will one day die. The people who eat the bread I give for the life of the world will never die. That's who I am, the bread of life. Eat me. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood may have eternal life. And this is where Jesus lost them. This was too hard to hear. Sounded strange to them. Verse 66 says many of the followers walked away at that point. They misunderstood, as people often do in the Gospel of John, when Jesus talks in these metaphors. If we try to take those multiple layered metaphors literally, it really gets difficult. Remember in John chapter 3, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and wants this eternal life. And Jesus says, well, you have to be born again. And Nicodemus says, I can't go back in my mother's womb and be born a second time. The metaphor was hard to understand. It was difficult. Later, Jesus will say he's a shepherd, but he's a carpenter. And people have a hard time understanding that it's difficult. So when Jesus says to them in chapter 6, I am the bread and people need to eat me. That is difficult to understand if we take it literally. Thousands of years later, we hear this passage through the lens of what we are about to do today in the service. We hear it through the lens of communion that we have done together as a sacrament over and over again. And that helps us to understand more what it means so it doesn't sound so cannibalistic. 
eating Jesus? Is that what he means? Where is Jesus going with all of this? Why the metaphor of bread? Well, let's unpack it a little bit more. Bread was a staple in the first century culture. It's a staple in our diet today. Jesus is saying he is a staple. Meaning a daily need, part of our daily life, something we need for life and health and breath every single day. The way bread nourishes, fills and meets our hunger. Jesus says he, believing in him, will nourish and fill and meet our hunger. Those voids we have in life. He both fills and fulfills. So that we know we are not alone and have purpose living in and living out of this filling love that comes from Christ. Maybe you know what it is to be hungry, empty. Maybe you don't know what it is to be hungry in your soul and in your body. These verses then will be harder to understand. But if you know what hunger pains are in your soul, you get it. If you know what it is to be hungering for meaning and purpose or you feel empty or lost, you know that other people and the culture and advertising campaigns and social media will try to offer you ways to fill that void six ways to Sunday. And it might fill it just as long as it takes until we've got the bill paid for it. Jesus is talking about a different kind of filling, a holy filling and grounding that is deeper and wider and stronger and never ends. So abundant and filling that there are leftovers and plenty to share. This metaphor is also a way to talk about the humanity of Jesus. We understand Jesus to be fully human, fully divine. Last week, Pastor Jeff talked about Jesus as the light of the world. Light is hard to touch, hard to taste, so to speak. It helps us understand more the divinity of Jesus. Bread is something we can touch and taste and feel. It's tangible. This helps us understand the humanity of Christ. You put them together and we begin to understand more about who Jesus is. But ultimately, this metaphor is about relationship. Jesus says that God draws people in. And there's another way to think about bread, right? The aroma of bread will draw people in toward the kitchen. It pulls us together, makes us want to touch it, taste it, put our hands on it. This gives us a way to think about how the Spirit of God draws us in and draws us together. It woos us, draws us, makes us want to be closer to God, closer to each other and know Jesus more and have a relationship with him. But what about this business of eating Jesus? That might sound a little strange to our ears. 
that was where many people, remember, drew the line in verse 66 and walked away. Here's where I think of my grandmama's Zerve biscuits. Ingesting that bread means close relationship. Becoming part of something bigger than we are. Becoming part of a family. The family of God. Sealing the deal. Wanting to be all in. Fully committed. Metaphorically ingesting Jesus. Is taking Jesus into every nook and cranny of who we are. In our bloodstream. In our bones. In the way that we think and act and move. From our heads down to our toenails. The way eating bread reaches us and feeds our entire bodies. Jesus feeds our souls. The Greek verbs here in this passage are not about polite eating either. It's not about nibbling and sipping at the edges. These Greek verbs are about full on chewing and gulping. (laughs) In other words, fully engaging in all that Christ is. And wanting Christ to be more and more a part of who we are. Because if we eat something, it becomes part of us metaphorically and literally. This is what Jesus means. Eating him, so to speak, means having him be central to our being. To who we are. This is our Savior, our Redeemer, our Lord. The bread of life. Believing and inviting Jesus to come fully in. And in that we are changed. As Jesus the bread becomes part of who we are more and more and more. He wants us to have all of him and all of us. And for all of us to be filled with all of him. Flowing through our veins, down in our bones. This metaphor is about an intimate and deep relationship with our Savior. So close that then we care about what Jesus cares about. We love what Jesus loves. We see people the way Jesus sees people. This is what it means for us to eat or fully, completely, more and more believe in. Jesus, this bread of true, abundant, eternal life. As in the sacrament of Holy Communion, we as United Methodists believe that it's not the bread and the juice that change in their substance. We, our hearts, are the substance that gets changed. The more and more times we come together for the sacrament of Holy Communion. By ingesting this right, this understanding of Jesus' sacrifice for us, tasting his forgiveness and mercy and grace, Jesus fills us and that changes us from the inside out and the outside in. This morning I can hear my grandmother's invitation to the table. We get to put our feet under this table and share this meal with Jesus. It's an unending invitation. And then comes that big question. How long do you want this relationship to be? Eternal? 
It can start now and last for the rest of our lives and then some. Once we taste Jesus, really believe in Jesus, we will be hooked, right? And this relationship that never ends. We become part of the family in a committed way, pulled together in this relationship that is eternal and saves us. This relationship that fills and satisfies us with Jesus, the bread of life. When Jesus says, eat me, this is about a deep relationship. Not only in our heads or in our hearts, down in our bones, in our bloodstream. That close to our Savior, forever changed by Him. Amen. Amen.